to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And hello, my name is Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So happy to be here with you and so happy that you could join me and uh, we could share a little bit of time together. It's, uh, to me, it's important that we spend some time together, that we, uh, that we talk and that we get to, um, and that we get to understand and we get to understand uh, how we are all coping with this, uh, with this terrible, terrible thing that we all have to live through. It is a, uh, it is a horrific thing that we're living through. And, uh, and I, I just wanted to, um, I wanted to talk to you about it. I wanted to understand that uh, that we're all in this together, and uh, I know there is a um, there is a pretty uh, dumb concert happening, a pretty dumb Canadian concert happening uh, right now as we speak. And uh, I'm glad that you decided to join us instead of listening to that concert, because um, because it's more fun to be here with us. It is more fun to be here on the uh, on the Howie Silberger show. Uh, that's that's the way. At least that's the way I feel. Um, I don't know about the way you feel. It's the way I feel. In just a couple of minutes, we'll be joined by Sheldon Eric Freed. He is my long-suffering producer. He'll be joining me in just a couple of minutes. Uh, and, of course, you are always welcome to call in. one uh, 669 1292 is the uh, is the number to call. one 669 1292 uh, A couple of things that I wanted to uh, to tell you about, um, just so you uh, you know what's you understand what I'm talking about here. Uh, the um, there was a uh, there was a problem we had, a, a small problem we had with um, with the with the stream with the audio stream that we uh, that we that we have. We had a slight problem with the stream. Uh, last couple of shows, the stream was warbled, and uh, I like that word warbled. It's such a great word. The word warbled. Uh, it was warbled. The, the 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 audio was warbled on the uh, on the stream, and when we played back the uh, archives uh, the next morning and then uh, throughout the day, the audio was warbled. Uh, there was a problem. There was a problem with a piece of equipment I had installed here in the studio. It was a brand new piece of equipment I had installed in the studio, and there was an issue with that piece of equipment, and that equipment did not allow me to um, to unwarble the uh, to unwarble the audio. I wanted to. I had every intention of unwarbling the audio and not having it warbled for you. See, we'll we'll just keep using the word warbled because I like the word. Uh, where I didn't want, I did not want it to um, to be warbled. Uh, but that's that's what happened. It was warbled, and uh, so I. It was weird though, and the weird part about it was that the uh, that the audio. When I replayed it through the software that replays the uh, that replays the um, that replays the show, uh, the audio got warbled. But if I listen to the MP3 file from the recording, it sounds fine. So I, I don't know how that happens. I, I don't know why that would happen. I have no idea. I tried playing with it in um, in a different uh, audio editing software, and that didn't really work. And so um, I don't know. I don't know that uh, I don't know why that's happening, but, but anyway, that's what's happening. So, so be it. But this show here, we fixed the problem. I fixed the problem. I worked on it half a day today, figured it out, fixed it, 
and we shouldn't have that problem anymore. So if you're listening on the stream on True Talk Radio, uh, on the True Talk Radio network through the app, this is um, this is going to be um, this is going to be actually um, listenable. You, you'll actually be able to hear what we're saying. Uh, one piece of uh, one piece of equipment that we haven't been able to figure out yet, we're having a little problem with, is the telephone lines. Uh, the telephone lines work, so you could call into the show. Unfortunately, Sheldon will not be able to hear you. So I, I'm still working on that. Uh, by next show, I should have that worked out. Uh, but right now, um, right now, Sheldon won't be able to hear. I'll be able to hear you, and Sheldon will not be able to hear you. So I'll be able to respond to your calls. Uh, unfortunately, Sheldon, not so much. At least not this show. But uh, but that's it. That's it. Everything else is working fine. Thank God. So let's uh, let's go to uh, Sheldon. Let's bring him on because uh, he's standing by and he's uh, well, he's sitting by. He's not standing. He's sitting. I, I can see he's sitting because you'll be able to see him in a second too, and you'll see he's sitting. He is sitting by, and uh, his name is Sheldon Eric Fried. He is my long-suffering producer on the Howie Silverger Show. Hi, Sheldon. Thank you so much for taking your time on Sunday to be here. And if I push this button, I'll be able to hear you. It is a pleasure. It How is, are you? I am. Uh, I am excellent. How are you, sir? I am very well, and uh, yeah, I'm. You know, this is a work done in progress. Yeah. When it come when it comes to the audio stuff and the audio details, but you know, it's, it's a work it, in progress. It's always been a work in progress. Even when we were on the AM station, it was a work in progress. <laughs> it was always well. That station was a work uh, work in progress, which had nothing to do with you. There was a, there was always some technical problem. I mean, every show we have a, a little bit of a technical problem. So I'm I'm happy that most of it works. If the worst thing in the world is that uh, you can't hear the callers, well, that's that's the worst thing that happens, right? What'd you just say? Yeah, exactly. My point. <laughs> so, so we already got messages on uh, on Facebook. We we've already gotten a couple of comments on Facebook. We haven't even started the show yet, which is great. All I right, love that people are commenting. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So Baruch asks, uh, at what point do we become a country that can't afford to stock our pharmacies with antibiotics? The average person in in Chad, dies before his or her 49th birthday. You think death by strep can't happen in the USA? Is this what we want to turn America into? You can't have a strong healthcare system with a crumbled economy. The first thing you do if you want a strong healthcare system is to build a strong economy. If we hollow it out, the life expectancy of Americans will go down. No ifs and no buts. I'm, I'm for life. I'm for economic solvency. It's not greed. It's national self-preservation. So he's actually responding to something we haven't spoken about, which I think is great. Um, he's imagining a conversation that we haven't had yet. Well, at least I know I'm not in trouble. But so, so I think it's great, and I, I love the response, so let's have that conversation. Um, I, I was speaking to a friend the other day, and she, uh, she has um, arthritis. And she uses one of these drugs that, uh, that President Trump has been touting, the, uh, the hoxychloritrine, that, that drug there that, that Trump's been talking about for, uh, for weeks now. She used that drug to uh, to regulate her arthritis, and uh, now she cannot get the drug because um, because since Trump started touting the drug, since the president of the United States started touting the drug, uh, people have been crazy. You know, the hoarders are out there, and they've been hoarding the drug, and now the drug is not available for her to have for her arthritis treatments. So she's walking around in pain because she can't get the drug. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exactly what Baruch is saying that here we have a situation where, where, where you have a big, you know, you have a big country, you have a couple of big countries, and and pharmaceuticals are not available in these big countries. A because they're manufactured in China, most of them, 
and B because uh, people are hoarding stuff and uh, and it's hard to get it's hard to get supplies when people hoard. Shall well, we? let's let's put it this way: when it came, remember the old when the, the toilet paper all of a sudden people started hoarding toilet paper and then people had trouble getting toilet paper. Yeah, it's always a question, and when people start panicking, that's exactly it's what this what this person said: it's self preservation because you're trying to see what you're able to get in case there's a severe shortage. So people, what they call stockpiling stuff, and that's exactly what happens. But, Once you get into but the people who are stockpiling point, stuff, Sheldon, are creating the severe shortage. That's it, exactly. So that's what that's what it is when it came to toilet paper or medications. As soon as somebody says something, whether or not they're a doctor, they're not a doctor, and there's, you know, a person is very, very popular and very, you know, uh, a lot of people turn tuned to that person and a person says something right away people are going to go and try to get as much as possible and for the people who do need it well then they can't get access to it yeah that's what's happening uh, look you know if you need toilet paper today it's very hard to find toilet paper you can't get it online you have to go to a store and you got to be lucky that they stock it on time yeah and that's what's happening with online groceries that's what's happening with everything anything that People are people are going to need. I mean, I was doing online shopping even before this whole thing happened with COVID nineteen. I was doing online shopping, and ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time, when I ordered something, they would have exactly what I wanted. Right. And they would call if, they, in case they didn't have it, they would call me if there was a substitution. You know, if they needed to substitute something, they would call me. Now they won't do that. Now you're lucky to get half your order. Yeah, half your order, and you're lucky that they don't substitute with something five times the price. Exactly, or they'll substitute something that you don't even want to even have. Yeah, that too. So, so that's the thing. So, like you know, th this is what we're into right now with the COVID nineteen, and and this is what scares a lot of people because in this region alone, there's only two stores that will ship orders directly to you in terms of groceries, full groceries. So, like Walmart will uh, certain things they will ship, and a lot of groceries they will not ship. And go try to even get those items in your. In, well, try to Walmart. get try to get a delivery time from any from anyone yeah. these days. And then when you when you go into either IGA or Metro, the, the groceries the grocers in this area, you have to wait for two weeks or a week to get your order. Right. If you're lucky that they have a window, if if they have a window, sometimes it's all grayed out. Yeah. So they don't want people to go to the grocery stores, but yet. What you know, you're going to need food. People need food to survive. Uh, look, I I um I tried online grocery shopping this week because I hadn't done it before, and I tried it this week because you you encouraged me to try it the last show. You said, "Howie, try it out. And let's give a report and how how it happens, right? And what happens." So I went, I, I went and I okay. got a I got a delivery slot. Uh, well, you did right, right after the show. I went and I got onto my computer. I was sitting at the computer here, and I got onto one of the grocery sites, and I looked okay. for a delivery slot, and I got a delivery slot for tomorrow so this was last week's show last sunday i got a delivery slot for tomorrow morning uh-huh so it's eight days later that's right that's actually that's better than some of the days i got sometimes it was two weeks and so i uh i put in an order uh, a modest order because i i don't really use a lot of groceries so i put in a mo i live alone how much grocery do i really need uh, mm -hmm. i put in a modest order and um and i know that at least half of the order that i put in is not going to show up I'm fairly sure that I'm not going to get most of it. Well, good luck. I'm actually I'm actually anxious to find out how much of your order uh, you what you ordered and what you received. 
So I, I will see tomorrow uh, when it gets delivered, if it gets delivered on time, which it probably won't. But uh, if it gets delivered on time, I'll see tomorrow what they send. But I, I can guarantee it's not going to be everything I ordered. No. And especially if you order toilet paper, chances are you probably will not get toilet paper. I, I didn't order toilet paper. I don't use that much toilet paper. I'm one person, right? So, okay. uh, so about a few months ago, I went into Costco and I bought one of those uh, 80 rolls of toilet paper packages oh, yeah. they have. Yeah. The, the ones that you saw people putting 10 and 20 into their carriages. Because you know, everyone, everybody needs 1,600 rolls of toilet paper, right? Well, that's, that's yeah. exactly my point. Why are people stockpiling like this? It's not like God knows it's a, an H-bomb that's going and you're not going to have access to anything. Yeah, really. We live in a big city. We live in a big city. Like, like, what, like people have to stop panicking to that point. You know, look, there's talks now about, depending on where you live in Canada, where we're broadcasting from, yeah. that they're, they're, the, prime, the premiers of each province are trying to have different plans to try to jumpstart the economy. Right. And so once that happens and once things start to slowly progress, I don't think people are going to panic that much. Like people will start feeling a little bit better and they'll feel that they'll be able to, to slowly get their lives back to normal Look, but it's I, still going to take a while I, I read a couple of articles in the last couple of weeks that um the toilet paper manufacturers said we have plenty of toilet paper uh we just can't get it to these stores quick enough the stores uh, can't stock them quick enough yeah. and um and then i um then you know the flower companies are complaining that uh, that they could produce as much flour as you need for the country uh there's a shortage in flour in the supermarkets you can't get flour but the flower companies say they have plenty of flour. They just don't have bags to put them into because it's non-essential services. The company that produces the bags is considered non-essential, and, they, and they're not manufacturing oh. bags. So they have the flour, but they don't have bags to pack it in. Oh, my God. Seriously? Yeah, this, oh this article appeared yesterday. So I said, really? Really? They have the flour, but they don't have bags to pack it in. So wow. there's a shortage of flour. Why don't we fix this problem? <laughs> I mean, it seems like an easy fix here. I didn't even realize that was a problem with the with the bags of the flour. That yeah. is, that's bizarre. It seems like a bizarre problem to have. But this is welcome to COVID nineteen land, right? Oh my god! Uh, so so you know the more the more you read, the more you hear about this stuff, the more ridiculous it starts sounding. I mean, it is pretty ridiculous if you think about it. Yeah. And I know a lot of places in the states, uh, some of the states are looking forward to jumpstart the economy. Uh, places in Canada are doing, are planning to put plans in action. So I guess within the next week or two to follow, or the weeks to follow after that, it's going to be really interesting to see what's going to start happening. And then what the implications might be. And the thing is, I think all governments are walking a very fine line. Because everybody wants life to, to be back to normal. You and I want life to be back to normal. But then where do you draw the line, the balance, to make sure that there's no second or third possible waves of the COVID-19? And and you know what? Hey, the look, kids... if there's, there's going to be a second wave and going to be a third wave. Uh, this we know is going to happen. But, you know, we can't we can't live in fear our whole lives, okay? You can't live I in fear. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Frank writes, our whole home stocking mentality has to change. We're used to buying something whenever we want to. Now you have to do medium-term inventory planning. Always yeah. booking a week ahead like a boat that only comes to port once a week. And uh, he's right. He's right. Yeah. He's right. But That's exactly what I'm doing. It That's shouldn't exactly have to I'm be doing. like that is what I'm saying. Yeah. If everybody would have bought normally, the stock, the, uh, the, the normal supply chain would still be working properly. Yeah. The thing is also there, there's not enough grocers that are doing online shopping and the pressures on the ones that are doing it are enormous yeah 
So that too doesn't help. So yes, you have to, that's what exactly what I've been doing. Like Frank's been mentioning is the fact that, yeah, I now have to plan my grocery shopping each week. No, you have to plan for a week ahead. You have to, yeah, a week you, have, ahead, exactly. you have to guess what you need next week. Yeah, exactly. And my freezer now was filled up to the, you know, because I, I was getting bagels and stuff like that because I, there were some orders. I couldn't even get bagels. I could not even get bagels. Well, they didn't have bagels. I tried different brands of bagels and they didn't have. And then one time I got four dozen bagels, which are fine. But like, you know, like everything else, I had to forecast fruits, vegetables. Yeah. You you know, and then what? And then hope they don't rot on you by the time you get around to using them. Well, that's that's the thing. And I tried to order bananas. There were two orders that I've ordered that they didn't even have bananas. Last month, I tried two different grocers. I put the bananas in on the order. Yeah. And when I would get the email the day that the order was being prepared and it would be marked what's not available, bananas were not available. Bananas. Amazing. So it's like, you know, and then all of a sudden I would get bananas and then I would order again because I don't know if they would have or not. And then I would get another bunch of bananas. <laughs> and then you have too many bananas. And then I have too many bananas. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's very hard to gauge because you don't know from one week or another what's going to be available, what's not going to be, be available. Frank says he can't get his cinnamon bagels. Desperate times indeed. one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call uh, if you want to get in on the conversation. one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Uh, I um I don't have anything that really I really need or care about all that much. Uh, I have a hard time getting bread. That that I'm having a hard time finding. So I'm baking my own bread. I'm very handy in the kitchen, so I could do these kind of things. A lot of people can't. You bake your own bread. I bake my own bread. Okay. All right. Put in an order for me. <laughs> so so baking my own bread means I don't have to go out and buy bread. I don't have to worry about it. I make my own rolls and make my own bread. I don't have to worry about going out to buy bread. Right. Uh, and it's always fresh because I make it whenever I need it. But I'm running out of flour. So here we go. It's a big circle, right? (laughs) It's a never-ending conundrum here. Uh, No flour, no bread. (laughs) That was so funny when you told me about the the bags. I mean, nobody would have known this. I read that story, and I was like, what? And I read the story a second time because I couldn't believe what I read the first time. And there it was, again, the second time, the same story. Because, I mean, the printed word didn't change. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, I just... I mean, I know people have had trouble getting flour, but I just didn't think it was because of the bags. Well, I thought it'd be the same thing like toilet paper. People were either ho- were hoarding on flowers and were trying to make more stuff at home because now people aren't obviously people aren't going out to restaurants and you know, yeah, and 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 stuff like that. So people are trying to b- make more stuff at home. Yeah. So, but if and, the, if the manufacturers don't have bags to put stuff into, yeah, they they can't sell What's, it. I'm even curious to find out if that's going to be the case. I'm even, I'm even scared to find out what about the bags that the that let's say, the grocery stores put in, like the the um, the paper bags. What happens? Who makes the paper bags if they run out of paper bags or if they run out of plastic bags? What are you going to do? Well, a lot of the grocery stores can't use plastic bags because the city of Montreal banned them. Yeah, and also a lot of them won't even let you take your bags in your. Your uh, non-perishable bags, yeah. or if they do, you have to pack them. They will not pack your order, right? If they even allow you to bring in the bags. So yeah. if that's the case, and the city of Montreal's banned plastic bags, <laughs> what happens if they run out of paper bags? How are you supposed to take the stuff home? Well, I'm assuming that you're not taking stuff home at that point. <laughs> you know, like, and then, 
again, if you, what happens if they can't, well, they, at least they bring you into the red, they put you in, they put their grocery order in on the red, on the red plastic bins that they'll bring and they would put the, the, the paper bags in the bins. Yeah. What happens if they run out of paper bags? What, you know, like what happens that if that's going to happen with flour, is that considered a, a essential service? The bags that the grocery bags? It's a very good question. I have no idea. And, uh, you know, it should be. It should be because this is getting essential needs to people. I mean, we all have to eat. Well, this that's it. So, so now if, you're, if they're having a problem with flowers, uh, flour, I mean, and if they're, you know, like, like this is really, a, this is a really scary situation. Now, I'm really curious to find out you and I were talking about this earlier off the air about the schools. Yeah. And in, in this neck of the woods, I mean, I, I heard from authority, a person that I spoke to before, uh, I, I, I spoke to earlier and he lives in the province of Ontario and he was telling me their, their um, provincial leader was saying that the schools were not planning to open up until the end of May. That's right. May 31st, which means yeah. that's totally pointless to open the schools altogether since school, exactly. since schools so generally is, end June 25th. So yeah. you're going to open up for a month? It so what make does sense. that mean? Does that mean Toronto? Does that mean Capascasing, Ontario, Hicksville, Ontario? Well, somewhere? yeah. If, if it's Ontario, if the premier of Ontario says closed, the, all the entire the entire province is closed. Yeah. So, but if the schools are going to open up, are they going to open up systematically, or is every school going to open up at the end of May? Well, every province has their own uh, their own method yeah. of doing things. So uh, I don't know. And the thing is, too, you're talking about the two most populous cities in Canada, Toronto being in the province of Ontario, Montreal, Montreal being in the province of Quebec, which are the two most highly affected provinces, Ontario and Quebec. And the city of Montreal and Laval, very highly infected areas. Where I live is one of the hot zones. Yeah. Uh, where I live, I'm, I'm not sure if, yeah, you're also in the hot zone because you're in the same uh, neighborhood as I am. Yeah. And then... Uh, I, I would think that the schools will not open up in this particular area of the city. I, I'm guessing. Been, I'm guessing the schools in this area will be closed till September or October. Yeah, and, and this was. And my girlfriend teaches. She lives in the West Island, and she teaches in the school in this hot zone near where I live. So you know, we're all we're all. And you're a teacher. She's a teacher, and we're also worrying about even if the kids don't have the virus themselves. They will be carriers, no doubt, of the virus. Well, I don't know. They, they say they want to use herd, mental, herd uh, immuni- yeah. immunity. I, I don't like being compared to a sheep. That's first of all. Uh, I don't like and, it either. And, 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 second, heads- and second of all, they want to use the kids to test us, and I, I don't yeah. like using kids as guinea pigs. Exactly. So, I mean, and, it's I don't, just- and, I, and I don't want the teachers or adults to be used as guinea pigs either. That too. And furthermore, there has not been extensive enough research, and even our own Canada's health minister. Yeah, she was uh, she was very skeptical. The, uh, the the head of the health department. Yeah, and she was not. She you know she did not agree with that. And and the Quebec health minister was thinking of doing her was doing this type of herd immunity. Yeah, and I'm you know like it's preposterous. It is preposterous. Um, uh, Brian says Ontario said no school till September, so maybe they changed it uh, oh, early okay. today. Early today, I saw May thirty first, but now. Uh, now Brian says no school till September. Maybe they changed the uh, maybe they changed their mind. Things change so quickly; it's hard to keep up with it. Well, day by day, I mean, our announcement here in the province of Quebec is going to be on Tuesday, so we're all going to be really on. Uh, we're really going to be listening very intently to the 1 p.m. press conference of our premier to find out 
what the story is, what the implications are. I mean, my guess is they'll probably start some of the schools in in like Hicksville areas, like very, very small populous areas of Quebec. Yeah. That has very limited, if if any cases of COVID-19, no start opening up companies or like small town mom and pop businesses and schools that as long as the, the uh, their particular population was not affected, they'll be safe to open up. They'll probably still keep um, travel, traveling areas like blocked in terms of you can't go into that region unless you live in that region. Uh, um, Frank just I'm, Frank just commented: printers who do work for farm, food or pharmaceutical clients are classified as essential in Quebec. The shortage is probably due to spike demand. It's probably it's probably right. Very possible. I mean, anything is possible with all these spike demands. Uh, things that we usually would take for granted that would, there'd be plentiful are now very scarce or very tough to get a hold of. Yeah, Paul says uh, Quebec should not send kids back to school. I agree with him. Uh, well, I think I, I'm, a te- I'm a teacher, and uh, I, I'm I'm highly skeptical that any kids will show up to class if they reopen the schools in late May or mid May. Yeah. And I'm highly skeptical that parents will want to send their kids into a into an incubator for uh, for this virus. It's a, well, the premier a virus also incubator. said that they they were not going to force the kid, not going to force the parents to bring their kids to the school. And, the, and, then what's and the at, then what's the point of opening them? Exactly. And the thing is, a lot of parents plus the teachers unions are very much against it. They, like yourself, like myself, do not want to use teachers or kids as guinea pigs. And I think that's really 100 percent wrong. And I think that, you know, it's not if they would open up the schools in September, we can have everybody going back also in September at the same time, unless there is a definite trend that the that the amount of people being infected of the virus and deaths are completely down now. There's still nine. There were still 97 deaths in this province the other well, day. Well, look, There's 90 percent over- of the deaths are in old age homes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, aside from that, uh, if you take a look around the world, uh, the the death rates are dropping everywhere in the world. So as we progress into this uh, into this life after COVID, uh, we're noticing that deaths, you know, the, the numbers are getting less and less. Even in New York, numbers are getting less and less. So um, so it's just a matter of time before it runs its course. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. My, my biggest question is it's a very delicate balance, a very delicate line that a lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people have lost businesses. And, you know, there's such a fine line in terms of starting the economy versus the health and safety of everybody. Because, like you said, and I agree with you, life, we can't live like this for the rest of our lives. Nobody and wants to live that, under, nobody wants to live under house arrest for the rest of their exactly. lives. Exactly. And nobody wants to, you know, nobody, you know, wants to keep staying home and not, not even able to go out and do their normal thing and, you know, even get together with friends and, you know, get together with loved ones. I mean, I haven't seen my mother since March and my mother's 92 years old. I haven't seen my mother in March. I hardly seen my girlfriend. I haven't seen my kids since before I left to go away on Aruba. Yeah. And it's, and, and I, I live near my kids. I don't live far from my mother, my girlfriend, for the exception of her bringing the odd bag of groceries. I haven't seen her either. I live by myself like you live by yourself. And it's, yeah, I, I mean, the last couple of days I took some walks because it was a beautiful day. And, but, you know, it's it's obviously when you're looking over your shoulder and you keep looking to see where your distance are, there's even a truck that's from the city of Montreal. I don't know, but in other cities and are broadcast 
broadcast area that listens to us. But there's a city, there's a truck, I don't know if it's from the provincial government or the city of Montreal, that actually has a truck that's circulating different areas of Montreal. And they actually could see that you could be filmed from a truck and also to see if anybody's walking near you, what the, what the distance is between you and the person that's coming near you. They're measuring the distances between... They're measuring the distance. It's not not like they're arresting you. They're just showing you, like, you know, if they see, like, you're 1.5 meters apart, you know, you you know to back away and go a little further, and you'll see it. It's not like an instant arrest, but it's showing you where you should be versus uh, they're not giving you tickets from that truck. They're not finding you. They're not having police coming out of the truck and arresting you, but it's showing you, you know, it's like some of these speed signs that you go and you say your do- speed limit is this, but you're doing this. But they are giving tickets for people who are not walking the safe distance. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I, are, I know people yeah. have gotten tickets. Oh, you know people for a fact that have gotten tickets? Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen that many police cars around this neighborhood, but again, for the most, you know, I'm, I'm nestled between two parks and really haven't seen anybody really going, you know, all congregating together or anything like that. It seems like the people in this area, for what I've seen anyway, have been respecting the distance, have been respecting the social and physical distances. Uh, Brian Belarus, you know Brian Belarus? He uh, used to work no. for B'nai B'rith. He's a, he's a Native American. He lives in, uh, he lives in a small town outside of Toronto. Okay. Uh, he, uh, he posted up earlier today that he was sitting in the front of his house, on the stoop in front of his house, just getting some air. He hadn't gotten air in a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's pretty much he's immunocompromised, so he hasn't gone out at all. Okay. So he went out. Uh, he lives in a small apartment building. He went out in the front of his apartment building uh, and, uh, and sat down on the stoop in front of the apartment building. He said for an hour or two hours he was sitting there. Nobody passed him. There was nobody leaving or coming. Nobody passing in the street. Nothing else. He says a cop car stopped and the cops got out and they came to talk to him and told him that he's not allowed to be outside. And he not said allowed to, to be outside at all? And he says to him, what's the problem? They said, well, social distancing. He says, well, I am social distancing. There's nobody here. He says, look around. There's nobody around. They said, well, you have to go back inside. And they forced him to go back inside. So he went inside and he went and, wow. sat, on his, he went and sat on his porch, which was less than six feet away from the, the house next door. So they forced him to leave a place that was deserted to go and sit in a place where everybody was sitting on their porches and he was less than six feet away from the person next door to him. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is how ridiculous it's getting. We talked about the story. I don't know if... Were you on the show when we talked about the 17-year-old kid in, uh, in Ottawa? No, no. Ah, 17-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid, a diabetic kid in Ottawa, uh, decided that he... Well, didn't decide. He needs to get exercise every day. He's diabetic. Diabetics mm-hmm. should get exercise every day. Yep. Uh, and so um, the, 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 uh, the community center was almost next door to his house, like not far from his house. And... Um, he, one day he decided to go out to the community center. He went out there and he started shooting hoops in their, uh, in their yard. And there was nobody else there. And nobody bothered him and he went home. The next day he went out to shoot hoops again in that yard. And two uh, byline specters from the city of Ottawa approached him. And they said to him, hey, you're not supposed to be here. So he says, well, there's nobody else here. What's the problem with me shooting hoops in an empty, in an empty uh, court? If there were other kids here, I'd say, okay, you're right. You know, we're not social distancing, but there's nobody here. So what's the problem? And they said, well, you can't be here. Nobody's allowed to play on these courts. So he said, fine. I didn't know. I apologize. He picked up his ball and he tried to walk away and they stopped him from walking away. They said, you can't leave till the cops get here. 
So I says, thought that was the cops. No, it was the uh, bylaw inspectors. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So he said, he says, but wait a second. I guess they're security, the security for Ottawa security. Okay. So he says, well, but but I'm I'm leaving. You told me I can't be here. I said I apologize for being here. I wasn't aware I wasn't allowed to be here. It was always public ground. But now you told me I can't be here. I'm leaving. I apologize. And I said you got to wait for the police. And he stood there and he waited for the police. And the police showed up and they gave him a seven hundred dollar ticket. Whoa. Okay. The kid went home crying that he got a $700 ticket for playing basketball by himself in a basketball court. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, that's awful. Okay. That's, so so, yeah. so I, I really feel uh, that they're taking this one step too far. You know, the one fas- step too far? The fascism, I think it's 20 steps too far. The fascism is starting to come out here. Oh, that's that's ridiculous. That's unacceptable. I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist. You know, anyone who listens to the show for years knows I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist. But this kind of fascism makes me think that a lot of what's going on, a lot of these policies that are being passed, a lot of these, uh, these, these, a lot of these, uh, these, these forceful, uh, forceful activities that we're being forced to do, is a result of politicians trying to exert their authority rather than safety. Well, there was nothing ever that what Trudeau said, I don't know about, about uh, Doug Ford, the Ontario pr- uh, Premier, ever said about that type of law enforcement in terms of social distancing. I know they were saying for gatherings, you know, that yeah. I understand. Like you said, if, they, if the kid said if there was somebody else that were playing hoops, they, he would know right away to respect the social distancing and he would go home or, or step away from where he, they were, you know. He told them, he says, I'm diabetic, I'm immunocompromised to start with. I wouldn't want to be around people at this point. Yeah. If there were other people here, I would have left. I came here to exercise because my disease forces me to exercise. It's the only way to get my blood sugar down. Well, basically what I've been doing too, like I've been walking pretty much around the premise where I live and also uh, in, because I'm nestled between two parks, which are very close to where I live. Right. And basically that's it. I don't walk very, very far from my place. I, I don't do that anyway because in case I get questioned by the police and I don't want to take a chance in you, getting myself a $700 ticket and up. But you are allowed leaving uh, your area. You, you don't have to stay uh, within three blocks of your house. We're not, yeah, but, uh, we're but not I confined was, to our houses. Yeah. yeah, no, I know that, but also because I'm also a diabetic and in case I'm thirsty and whatnot, you know, so I know I don't want to get too far anyway but you know like uh so i'll go around like three or four blocks walk around like five six blocks within the circumference of the area where i live in and then i'll sit on a park bench uh, yesterday i was like sitting out in the back of where i live and just taking in the sun and then i went on the bo- the balcony late yesterday afternoon it was absolutely fantastic and had such a tremendous energy because getting out you know we live in a climate unfortunately that we don't have warm weather all year round and the weather's been so lousy in this area plus on top of social distancing and everything else you almost felt like you were a prisoner within your own house right and it's like you know people want to get out and look that like like yourself like myself we would love to get our lives back into normal i mean look this year a lot of major festivals have been canceled yeah you know uh it's it's obviously unprecedented we've had three four major festivals that's that's hit the city every year. That's very, very popular. Had gives billions and billions of dollars in the local economy, the tourist economy, and everything. And it's really, it's really, it, it's to the point that, you know, people. Uh, it's a new, it's a, it's a new, completely reality, 
And it really scares me as a person that, uh, you know, we might have to really change our way of thinking. Look, I would also think, too, that a, a lot of people are working from home now that are able to work from home. Not everybody can. Yeah, I hate to break it to you, Sheldon. A lot of people are going to their offices. There are a lot of people going to their offices. Well, I, I mean, I know my cousin, she uh, works for an accounting company, and that's considered as an essential service, so she has to go in. And not, obviously, But, when, but a lot when, of people who aren't essential services are going to their offices. Yeah, but if they get caught, they could wind up in, in really bad, bad shape. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions. There's always going to be people that are going to disobey every. You know, uh, you know, you what, know, anyway. you know what really upsets me about this whole thing, though? Uh, I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. It's how crazy some people have gotten where they feel that they are responsible for enforcing the bylaws as regular citizens. So you have people screaming at people on the street. You have people... Yeah. Uh, snitch lines. Like snitch, snitch lines. You have, yeah. uh, it's so disgusting. It is disgusting. I mean, also, and people don't even realize, like, this is what happened with, uh, with, with a yeshiva family that was called by the police later to find out that they all lived in the same house. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that people were people had nothing else better to do but to snitch on a family that lives together. They don't know the family, they have no idea who these people are, but they just decided, "I'm going to snitch on them." Yeah, and that's happening all the time now. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening all the time, and to uh, to to people that have big families, whether or not they're Jewish or not Jewish, and right away people are saying, "Oh, they're all having these big gatherings," but they don't realize that they live together. And and it's there's a lot of religions, there's a lot of people that do live together. I was they, talking they, to I was talking to a Muslim friend of mine the other day, and uh, he was telling me that he has he has seven kids, mm -hmm. and with his wife and him, it's nine people in the house. And they got called. The cops are called in their house almost every three days. Somebody's calling the cops. Oh my god! Because the kids are playing in the yard, and the kids are uh, you know, and he has older kids and younger kids, and they're playing in the yard, and they're and they're all around the property. They're not leaving mm -hmm. the property. They're on his property, right? But it looks like a large gathering of people because there's seven of them. And so the police are called. He says every three days they get the cops called. He says, yeah. why, why can't the neighbors just mind their own business? This is just fueling hatred, you know, uh, even bigger than it was before. Now people are using it as an excuse. If they didn't hate people before, they're hating them now and they're snitching on them. So I, saying, I, I'm not a hateful person, Sheldon, but I'm starting to hate a lot of the people who are uh, who are really being uh, be, trying to be police about this. And it's not their business to be police. The police are out there. Security's out there. We don't need them to be the police. But uh, people who are really starting to get on my nerves, there are a lot of them. Well, that's what it is. And they use they use that as an excuse. And then the next thing you know, they're saying, oh, I'm doing the right thing. Well, it makes them feel important. You don't it understand. It makes them feel important. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's wrong also. I think that's really, really, really wrong. Because you really don't know when people are, are together. You don't know if they're part of the family. Look, I saw yesterday in a park, there was there was a family, and I knew like it was a picnic. So there was a mother and father and two young kids. Yeah. Okay, so what they did was they had two, they, they had a picnic in one of the parks near me. So they had two different, you know, like blankets and everything. They put their food down and everything there like that they were all in a corner of the park minding their own business no no police went up to them whatever yeah and then i would say to myself you know this is nice the kids are playing around they're minding their own business they're quiet they're having a good time they're laughing whatever the parents are watching the kids that the kids are coming over they're giving them the food and everything like that 
nobody's bothering them. I don't see any police, no police are approaching them. Nobody's giving them any, you know, and it's like, and I say to myself, my God, this is the first time in like, you know, because the weather's been this nice and people are going to the park and actually having a little bit of freedom, something that they haven't had in months, especially since this thing hit. And now people are starting to go out and, you know, they're trying to have a certain semblance of normalcy here. Yeah, well, you know, people need to, to feel a little normal. Yeah, look, yeah the, you have to. I look, mean, we're the, not... The city of Cote St. Luke uh, asked, uh, asked last week, they posted up that they, uh, they wanted people to follow traffic on the sidewalk. So if traffic was going north on the sidewalk, they'd want, uh, traffic uh, was going north on the street, they'd want that side of the sidewalk to go north too. And the south okay. side, would, people would walk south. So people never came face to face. Okay, so that's good. So one-way sidewalks. I think it's great. What a great initiative. It's a great but idea. It, but it takes time to roll this out. And for a city the size of Cote St. Luke, 33, 34, 39,000 people living in the city, it takes time to get the message out to people. You can make yep. robocalls and you can send out emails. But before people start, you know, it takes a couple of days, a couple of weeks before people start actually understanding what you want and, and living up to it. Yeah. You know how many people I've heard screaming at people for walking the wrong way down the street? Oh, my God. You know how many people I've seen posting on, uh, on, 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 different, on different chat boards screaming and screaming and screaming that people are walking the wrong way? It, it's a great initiative. But give it time. People, people need time to adjust to things. And, you know, we're all living. We're all, we're all stuck in our homes. You can't, you can't expect people to, to understand everything on, like that on a snap. It doesn't happen. And also, this has never happened to us before. That's right. This, this, that's why when I said to you last week, this is all unprecedented. Yeah, this is the first time we really had to batten down the hat hatches. Having virtual standstills in major metropolitan areas around the world. Right. And being stuck in our homes and then doing things that we never did before, that we never ever thought. This is something coming out of movies. All right. The mayor of Cote St. Luke, Mitchell Brownstein, just commented... We need to have patience and respect each other. And he's 100% right. Absolutely. Mitchell is 100% right. We need, yes. to, we need to respect each other. Have I wish patience. people would respect each other. Have patience. Eventually, eventually the word will get out. The city of Cote St. Luke, I have to give him credit. And I'm not just saying this because Mitchell Brownstein's listening. I have to give him credit. They have been excellent in communicating with their, with their, with their citizens. They have been excellent mm -hmm. in, in, keeping, in keeping one step ahead of the pandemic. Uh, yeah, you know they have they have a volunteer they have a volunteer association there that has been going out and delivering groceries to elderly people. They've been packing groceries in a private in a private grocery store. They've been volunteering their time to pack groceries in a private grocery store so that elderly people could uh, could um, could eat to get food in a timely fashion. I, I have to I have to give them credit. You know, you give credit where credit is due. This yep, city absolutely. has been unbelievable in their in their reaction to this to this pandemic. They lead by example and other cities should follow. And they really do and they are the hotbed. I mean, this is, you know, this is the area that has probably probably the highest percentage per capita of COVID-19 uh, you know, uh, plus um positive well, uh, positive well, they're, results. They're the second they're the second most uh, in in this area is the most. Right. Coquinesh, Snowden, and NBG, they have the most and Cote St. Luke is a is a very close second that I that I saw from the last stats that I saw. So so but, so so but, I, I have to I have to give credit for that, right? Yeah, but, but, absolutely. But, but but like the mayor said, you have to be patient, yeah. And you can't you can't expect people to just follow on a, on a fly. Nobody 
No, nobody just follows on a fly, right? These are these are unprecedented times, and the, this is extraordinary measures that we're all doing. There's difficult adjustments that we're all doing, but like like uh, Mayor Brownstein said, we have to learn to respect each other. This uh, this if we didn't learn to respect each other before, if this does not teach us to respect one another, I don't know what will. Yeah, really, we have to really change the way we see things. It's we have a, to change our complete way of thinking. We have to change the way. Look, you know what? Every every day I reach out to my family. My family reaches out to me. We all, you know, like usually when people are in their regular routines every day, a lot of times people just don't reach out. They're too busy. It's true. Uh, Sheldon, is, Sheldon, Mayor Brownstein writes, this is the beginning of a long road. Israel's opening up now, and they have decided to, to require masks for everyone over the age of seven to protect others. I think yeah. that's great. And uh, I have to tell you that the city of Kosin Luke already recommended that people who go out in public wear masks. Yeah. Not, not, for, not to protect yourself, because the mask isn't going to stop you from getting COVID, but it's going to stop you from giving it to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also, at the same time, people got to remember, and, and the health minister said this, and everybody said this, this does not stop anybody, whether you have a mask or not, you still wash your hands yeah of course yeah and people people think some people i'm not saying some people it's not all some people think that just be, when you wear a mask oh i don't have to worry about washing my hands or i don't have to worry about this or whatever and a lot of the masks let's say that are not disposable that you have the carbon filter inside yeah you do have to wash them you have to wash your masks i'm still wondering uh you know before this how many people percentage per capita were washing their hands uh I always well, wash my hands. I work in food. I wash my hands all the time. But how many always, people? I always did when I came, when I always came back from anywhere into my apartment. The first thing I would do, the I, first thing I would do is wash my hands. That's I really, the- I really found it odd that we had to put up signs to explain to people how to wash their hands. This always this came across a little odd to me. But I mean, I guess I guess you know if people don't know how to do it, we have to teach them. But it's just a little odd that people weren't washing their hands before this. Yeah. But here's the thing, too, and I'm sure you've seen it in the emails when it comes to different supermarkets and different restaurants and, and our transit authorities and everything like that. And they're saying about that they're taking extra steps in cleaning. And I'm saying to myself, OK, people use mass transit. There's thousands and thousands of people using using the buses, the metros, the subways, whatever. There's people going in grocery stores that shop. There's thousands of people at Costco and other big, major, big box stores and everything like that. You mean to tell me if they're saying right away that they stepped up in their cleaning, what did they do before? I'll tell you, Sheldon, I worked in a hospital for five years. I worked in a hospital for five years. That place was the filthiest place I've ever seen in my life. They had cleaning crews and their cleaning crews went around, but they cut budgets. The first thing you cut in the budget is the cleaning crew. They're, the, uh, they're not the essential staff. And so every time they cut budgets, the cleaning crew got cut. And every time the cleaning crew got cut, the place got dirtier and dirtier. Uh, and, and, you know, this is the place where you're supposed to go to get healthy. So I can imagine if the hospital's dirty, the buses and these metros and everything else are, are filthy. I, I can't imagine they're not, they're not yeah, dirty. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, this is the thing, too. I mean, I've seen kids, you know, kids anyway, what do they know to, if they sneeze to cough, and if they sneeze or cough, you know, into their sleeves, whatever. They, they, they sneeze in their hands or sometimes they don't even put any, their hands at all. And germs go all over the place. I mean... You know, th- it's up to society now to really to say, listen, if you weren't that hygienic before, you have to be more hygienic than you've ever been before. And even after this thing finishes, because if this is one virus, who knows down the road? And God forbid, I, I really hope I'm wrong on this. 
what's to prevent other viruses to happen like this? And I hope to God, I, I could not be, I wish I could be wrong on this, but what does this tell you? You know, like you said before in conversations we had last week, that yes, we've had the swine flu, we had SARS, so we've had yeah. viruses. So this is what, you know, this is, you know, we add this to the other viruses that plagued us throughout the years and, you know, in history and everything like that. What's to happen if other viruses are going to happen or second or third strains of these viruses? I mean, we, you know, a lot of government, every government around the world was completely taken by surprise. It doesn't make a difference if you're right, left, center, which party, which government, whatever. Everybody was taken by surprise. All governments were taken by surprise. We have to learn. We desperately have to learn from this. Well, we you know, can't the, uh, afford the, to have something like this happen again. The virus is not discriminatory. They don't care who no. you are, how old you are, or what religion you are. Yeah. The virus. I mean, any, any politician that's going to be very, very proactive and do whatever it can to safeguard their citizens, that's who I have the respect for. It's not the time to play partisan party politics, but at the same time, we have to be very vigilant, and we have to make sure that all governments are now going to be aware that something like this can very well happen again. And, and probably will. And probably will. I, I can't I, imagine won't. And, and the thing is, if this is any indication, who knows down the road? I hope I'm, I hope you and I, like in hundreds of thousands of years, uh, uh, you know, and our future generations don't have to experience this anymore. And um, hey, look, this is really look, the last, last major, last major pandemic, the last major epidemic we had, I know we call it a pandemic. It's actually an epidemic now. Uh, the last major epidemic we had was uh, was um, the 1918. Was the 1918? Uh, which virus was that in 1918? Was that the bubonic plague or was that the... No, no it was uh, the bubonic plague. It was the 1700s. Oh, sorry. Okay. Not, uh, I don't know. It's 1918. Uh, I don't know. It was the 1918 plague. I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, okay. But the, but the one in 1918. Where they, uh, okay. where, where they quarantined people, and that was the last time we had to quarantine, right? Okay, so, and that so, was way before our time. So you're talking 100 and, uh, 102 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what is this, you know, like, are, are we going to wind up being like the boy in the plastic bubble? That we're going to have to go out and always have a bubble around us, always have a shield around us? Oh, you I can't mean, look, live like that. Come on. Local local taxis are now are now being with plastic, uh, with plastic shields. Cash registers and supermarkets are now being outfitted with plastic shields. I hate to break it to you. It should have been like that from the start. I agree with you, but I'm saying now, you know, we're now, that's why I'm saying when I said governments were behind on so many things, well, yeah, they should have, especially when you're dealing with the public all the time, coming in contact with thousands and thousands of people. God knows what they have. This should have been done a long time ago. The the companies that uh, that deal in the in taxis, the companies that deal in uh, in groceries, didn't want to spend the money to put this stuff up. Yeah. But this well, stuff now, should have been put up a long time ago. Well, now they have no choice; they have to do it. And it's going to be up there forever. It's not. It's yeah. not coming down. Oh no, no, no! If they're already putting that kind of money in, rest assured that's going to stay up. That's going to you know that's going to be in that you know. That's going to be it at all. Look, even in this in this building that I'm living in right now, only deliveries of food are allowed up. Any deliveries, even so much as Amazon or anything else, in the lobby, they, they will not bring any parcels upstairs to the, any of the apartments in this building. Right, so you have to go down and get them if you want them? You have to go down and get it, yeah. And um, 
Like once I get the notification that it's delivered, I go downstairs right away. Or in many cases, my superintendent, if they see a package for me, he'll call me and he'll tell me, he'll say, okay, it's there downstairs and, you, and go and get it. And fine. And I appreciate that. And I thank him. But it's, it's like, it's now, you know, everybody's scared in this building. It was, the, Sp- that- it was the Spanish flu in uh, 1918. Yeah. Okay. Spanish flu. So thank you, Stuart Nolman for, 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 for correcting me. Thank you. Hey Stewie. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really scared as a person, you know, my age and everything like that. And also I'm really scared. Like when I, when I go out outside and, and the thing is, uh, are, you really, are you scared of this virus? I mean, I know you're over 60. So, uh, so, so you're in the, you're in the age range where you should be scared of this virus, but are you really well, scared? Not only in the age range, but I'm also I have a compromised immune system. I'm a diabetic. Right. I'm, so I, I'm, I'm very scared. Of course, I'm very scared. And, how have uh, you changed your life? Aside from staying at home all the time, how have you changed your life to try to avoid contracting the virus? So when you go out, how, how have you changed the way you go out? Well, I, I make sure also when I'm walking to make sure that I'm... For, that's one of the reasons why I walk very close to the house, too, because if I have to get back home, if I see there's a influx of people, I'll right away go straight home. Um, so, uh, you know, so that's why in terms of my distance and my proximity where I live to where I walk... That's how I changed my way because I used to walk long distances. I used to take li- lo- a lot of long walks. I used to go from, well, I don't want to start saying yeah, this. Yeah, it doesn't great. matter, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But I'm saying like I used to walk fairly long distances. And I I remember I used to take the march to Jerusalem all the time. So yeah. I used to love to walk. I used to love to walk. and uh, But now I can't, you know, I can't walk that far because I'm really worried about coming into contact with anybody so far like I've said to you in the last couple of weeks, people have respecting social distances. Okay, so let me but ask also, you this question. Let me ask you this question. Uh, yeah. After this is all over, yeah, how will your life have changed? What, what are you going to change in the routines that you usually do uh, to protect yourself? Are you going to change anything, or are you just going to go back to the way it was? Well, I'm not going to go back everything to the way it was, because I like you, I've always washed my hands, so that's never going to change in terms of my hygiene. That's okay, but that's change. stuff you did already. What, what I, did gonna, a, I did that already. Yeah. What are you going to yeah. change in your routine? Well, you know, if things get back to normal, yeah, maybe go go like more long distances, like take you know take walks in other areas, go into other areas. I mean, obviously, I would like to be more mobile than I am right now. Um, are you going to think again, twice? Are you going to think twice before renting a car? Are you going to think twice before going to a movie? Uh, definitely renting a car, yes. And even taking transit unless I really have to go into a job where I have to go during peak rush hour. So you're going to hold yourself back from going into crowds of people, even after this is all over? I'm going to try as much as I possibly can. I mean, if I have to, I have to. I mean, that's the reality as it is. I, we live in a major city. We don't live in a small, small town. If I have to, I have to. But I won't be as, shall we say, as willing as I used to. Right. So so, so, so your life has changed. Your life has well, changed thing, exponentially. Well, the, well, it is. I mean, let's put it this way. I think I will probably feel a lot more secure or I'll feel better once there's actually a vaccine. Uh, but that could be in, a, in another year, at least, for right. now. So maybe until that vaccine comes out, and I think that's probably the way most people are going to feel, uh, that especially they have compromised immune systems, because they also say, look, when it comes to the flu season, they always suggest that people with compromised immune system get the influenza shots. Okay, but if you think about the influenza shots, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's a crapshoot every year. Yeah, it, it always is a crapshoot, but at least, you know, I, I feel better to the point that... So so basically you're, be- saying, you're saying you just want to be psychologically soothed. 
It doesn't really matter if it works or not. You just want to be psychologically. Well, safe. I would like to think I would like it to work. Obviously, obviously, uh, but yeah. A yeah. Lot, uh, psychology does play a big factor because it's always uh, psychology is a big factor in how a lot of people perceive things. I mean, there's no there's no two ways about it. That you know, people want to have that sense of relief. That I want to have that sense of peace. And yes, it is psych- it's psychological and it's also physical. So, you know, that's. Uh, I mean, if I if I have to go, let's say, into the downtown portion of the city once things clear up, I will go into the port. You know, I won't refuse out and out refuse going going into the city, but I will think twice about going and I'll say to myself, do I really need to go badly? Is it something that I could wait till off hours? Is it something, you know, you know, but if I have to, let's say, work in the downtown core, then I'll go. Then I'll work in the downtown core. I'm not going to. refuse an opportunity if I have to go into downtown core, you know, for me to make a living. I have to make a living. Right. So, to that point... I was, I, never I, much, I was never much into, um, into groups to start with. Uh, yeah. I, don't know if you've, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but I, I generally don't go to places that have a lot of people. I don't either. I mean, the, the time yeah. that we go, and I guess, you know, and you and I do the same thing is the just for last. When we go down, there's a lot of people into yep. the downtown core. But that's work and work is work. We, yeah, we, work we, is work. But yeah. and we also ha- we have fun. We go to the shows and. Uh, but that's the, but, that's even that's work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's work. But that's fine. You know, like that, that I, I'm not going to change that. I don't have any plans to change that. I don't. I don't think you have any plans to change that. No. But you know, I, like I would say, if I if I don't have to go down for a particular reason to go into the downtown core at rush hour, well, I'll go at another time. I'll go in off peak hours. Right. Versus at one point, I didn't care if I went down during rush hour. I went, got what I wanted, and and came back home. Now, what about now groceries? A different story. What about grocery shopping? Will that, Will you change the way you shop for groceries? Well, I was doing online groceries even before this happened because I don't own a car, even though I'm a licensed driver. So I don't, uh, you know, I, I usually in many cases would do the shopping online anyway. And usually I never had a problem with shopping online because they always, 99.99999% they had my stuff. Right. So I never had a problem with it. So I would order it and the, I would order it one day and the next day there'd be a window there and I would get my order delivered the next evening or the next day. So fine, you know, like, so I, I won't really, as I said before, I'm not going to change my online shopping because I, when you don't have a car, it's convenient. Let's face facts. Definitely. Or I would go down to my local grocery store and then have them, uh, you know, just take it for home delivery, pay for the order and then get it uh, sent to my home. Right. So, you know, like that kind of stuff. But, you know, but right now with online shopping, obviously I have not gone into a shopping center in since March. Well, they're all closed. You can't go in there yeah, anyway. No, but I'm saying like even the grocery stores. I have not gone into a grocery store. You know, I'm thinking, I, I've been thinking a lot about the uh, billions and billions of dollars of, um, of, of stock that are sitting in stores that are closed in shopping malls and the amount of money people are losing. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's heartbreaking, really. It is very heartbreaking. And I really feel for the mom and pop businesses. I feel so bad for, the, for these people. A lot of the... The bars, the restaurants that, uh, you know, that are had to close. I mean, even though our prime minister has tried to do things, there's still a lot of holes where businesses fell and they still are out of business. They still have to pay rent. They still have to sit on their inventory because their inventory is not moving and they have to pay for that inventory. They have to pay for the upkeep, the electricity and all the maintenance, uh, you know, in, in keeping up a business. And they're not getting any revenue. And I feel... 
I feel terrible for these small to medium-sized businesses. I feel bad also for students that are, let's say, in university that usually count on their jobs to help pay back some of the student loans or to pay back the, or to pay their tuition fees to go back in the fall. And now they're not going to have jobs going going on. Now, here's another thing. I'm in an employment training program. I was supposed to have a stage in May. That's not going to happen. And I was supposed to have a stage at a hospital near me. That's not going to happen again. No. So where's where's that going to be? Where is my course going to be canceled? Well, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what happened with my stages. I um, I was finishing off the teaching degree, and uh, I had a, I had one stage left. And right when we started the stage, this whole thing broke. And so what happened? Um, they canceled the hours for the stage. The government canceled the hours, and they replaced it with some uh, with some assignment work. So yeah. we had to do a couple of assignments, and that solved the problem. Yeah. So, so. you know, and then what's going to happen with, you know, like you said, if the schools are going to open up at the end of May, like in Quebec, they finish usually just around just before the national holiday of the province. Yeah. Um, I don't know when they finish in Ontario, if it's about the same time or not. I don't know. But the thing is, they're going to start school only for a month later. Like, it, it, it seems ridiculous. Mean, it's It's preposterous. And then for... And they have to give you two weeks' notice. So the thing is that the announcement's going to be made on Tuesday. For the first region that he's planning to open up, like, um, and I know Saskatchewan has a five-point plan in terms of getting their citizens back to work. Yeah. And so I, I could see that the provinces want to start jump-starting the economy, but they got to do it. they got to really be very careful in terms of how they plan to do it and... Who's going to open up first? What businesses are going to open up first? Yeah, and there's a very, very, very fine line. And I don't, I would not want to be in the the politician's shoes right now in making that decision. I really don't, wouldn't want to be in that position. Well, look, you know, the state of Georgia decided to open up uh, everything, so they they lifted all the restrictions in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. So everything opened yesterday. So we'll see how that experiment goes. Well, the thing is, too, the states are a lot more decentralized than Canada. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there, it's always been like that for years, for years and years and years. Well, no since, matter what, since 1774. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is that in the states, you know, one one state can make a, you know, and the federal government is not going to care to speak of. They're not going to have that centralized power that, let's say, Canada would have no matter who's running Canada. So the thing is, like, Trump's not going to care. Obama didn't care, or like if it would have happened, Obama or Clinton or Reagan or whoever was president of the United States. So it wasn't a question of that. So the question is, like, you know, if this is going to be successful, if everything's going to open up, I don't know what their, in terms of what they had in terms of viruses, what their counts were, what their data was. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you could access it on your computer. Is it safe to open up everything at the same time? I don't think so. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a scientist. I, I have no idea. Yeah. So that's the thing too, and I, that's what I'm. That's what I'm wondering too. That again, you got populous cities like Atlanta, and Savannah, and you know, like yeah. and Augusta, Georgia. So, what are the? You know, I'm sure Atlanta was affected. Atlanta being their biggest major city in Georgia. So who knows what's going to happen? You know, and I wouldn't want to be the guinea pig that has to go into work or has to go into an office or goes into a school and either get myself infected or infect other people. Well, I'm, I'm going to be one of those guinea pigs. If the schools reopen, I'm going to be forced to go back to school. Yeah. And if I go well, back to school, I'll be teaching at high school. 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'll be teaching 13, 14, and 15 year olds. And uh, we'll see what happens, right? And again, I, I mean, I don't know. Have you heard of any of the parents of the kids that are your students from the school? Have they reached out to you? Have they said anything to any of the staff members? Has the school board said anything that they received anything? Nobody has uh, nobody said a word to me yet. Okay, well, I guess you're going to find this out probably once an announcement is being made. And once yeah. once we know in the Montreal area when the schools are going to open up, I guess that's when you're going to find out things. Well, that's when they'll make a decision whether they're going to open the school or not. Yeah. Um, but theoretically speaking, I would be forced to go back and teach whatever students showed up. Now, I told you before, and I, I've made the statement before, I'm pretty sure that I had COVID-19 in December. I, I'm pretty sure I suffered from that. We had this discussion last week. Mm-hmm. where um, I, I had all the symptoms of COVID-19 in December. I ended up in the hospital. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I that I suffered from that. It took me forever to recover from whatever I had. It could have been the flu. It could have been COVID-19. I don't know. They, could, they weren't able to diagnose it. The hospital wasn't able to diagnose what I had at the time, which makes me believe that it might have been this virus. If that's the case, would that make me immune? I don't know. They haven't been able to prove that immunity is, uh, is actually real. Could that make you immune, or could it, or could it make you also a carrier? Well, um, they say if you build up the antibodies, you're immune. But so, are you also a carrier? Like, can you uh, would you would you be a could you be considered a carrier of COVID nineteen if you did have COVID nineteen and you build up an immunity to it and you're over it? But does that also mean you could be a carrier of it? I have no idea. Once again, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. Yeah. That's something also that questions have to be raised. There was also talking about the possibility, but Trudeau nixed it right away, about what they call immunity passports. That if people had the COVID-19 that were actually diagnosed and was tested positive for COVID-19 and they're over it, they get what they call an immunity passport. Sheldon, we got a call. You're not going to hear it, but I'll take the call. Okay. All right, let's go to the phones. Hi, who's calling? Howie, it's Aaron. What's up? Hey, Aaron. How's it going? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Howie, is Sheldon there too? Yeah, Sheldon is here, but he can't hear your call. He can hear my side of the call, but he can't hear your side of the call. Okay. I'm okay. having a little problem with the telephone, so, um, you know, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Yeah, you know, this is, uh, I just wanted to talk, give my my little my little two cents. Yeah. You know, yeah. as quick as I could about this whole thing. Uh, I have complete disregard for whatever you were just talking about. I heard you got sick, but it has nothing to do with that. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I was uh, I was thinking to myself today, you know, because uh, uh, I've been, you know, thinking a lot. I, I always like to think, and I always like to, you know, put things into perspective. And, you know, obviously uh, this quarantine has uh, it has has shown us exactly what, what it is that we as humans take for granted, which is, you know, very common. Yeah. Um, that was that was very much expected, but I think uh, what I'm what my main concern is 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 how uh, there is a very there there's a very blurred line in terms of how of of especially in Canada I think um, where we're we're not really um, seeing the the the, set, the the disparity or the separation between the science and the politics and and the reason why i'm saying that is that uh, and don't get me wrong i think this whole morale boosting you know you know shorten the curve um collective effort you know promotion is, is very 
beneficial. I think it, it's. But Aaron, of, Aaron, you realize that shortening the curve is only to protect the hospital system from overloading. Exactly, exactly. It has nothing to do with uh, with the I'm amount of people of who are going to get my, infected. My main, my main concern, however, is I think just the fact that you know I made a huge I made a post on Facebook. You could check out. Maybe it suits your, you know, whatever if it suits your uh, your view. But it's it's just the fact that I, I don't. You know, I was I was trying to I, was, I made a slight little comparison to World War One, um, a few um, in the post, and I was talking about how Germany, you know, at, despite not being the ones directly, you know, ca- casually responsible for um, World War One starting, you know, they weren't the ones that assassinated the uh, uh, Archduke. Archduke, yeah. I believe, yeah. yeah, they were still ultimately held responsible since they were the ones that really enabled this all to come to. That whole war and the casualties to come to fruition. At the end of the day, all for, all sides had sustained casualties. But the fact of the matter is, people and it's written in the um, Treaty of Versailles pointed the finger at Germany. And I'm saying this because I think you know, with all this said and done, when a vaccine hits, you know, the shelves and stuff, I'm just I'm really worried how how much of this, these regulations and legislations are are going to stay. And I feel like uh, that's something that's really you know talking about taking things for granted and you know. Our freedoms and our—it's very—it's something that really you know comes in, comes into question. You make a great point there, and uh, something I worry about too. Uh, okay. You know, we, we've lost a lot of free. We've given up a lot of freedoms to try to protect ourselves. But, uh, but that, how many of them are we actually going to get back? Some of the stuff is not coming back. Well, that, well, that's the thing. I think that's that's the big issue. Like you know, I don't. What's what I think is despicable is the fact that it's okay to rat on your neighbors. Yeah. We're not practicing social distancing. And labeling it as an act of fulfilling your civic duty, hmm. how, and there's so many double standards. I don't even want to get into that, but it's considered wrong and immoral to say, "Hey, Trudeau shouldn't have let flights from China come in for such a late amount of time." And it's it's seen as wrong to say that, "Hey, China did not, you know, act with due diligence." But it's true. I, you know, you know usually what's what's considered wrong is usually the truth, right? Yes, I mean, look, look. At the end of the day, uh, no one, no one in any situation is perfect. But you have to understand that. I think this whole, you know, this progressive, you know, I think the idea of, of that, you know, like I was just watching to on the radio on uh, on uh, ninety two point five or one of them how they because they have this whole, you know, uh, we are the world type, you know, yeah. uh, thing going on, and it, it's all, and it, you could tell, you know, it's it's everyone's all the. It, the focus is that our efforts of, 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 of staying in and doing what the government says is what's going to bring this to the end, not a vaccine or, or treatment, right. which is what actually, and, here, and here's the thing is that, you know, people are, I, I just think, you know, people are, they're not understanding, you know, they're, 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 they're deferring to the government as the ones who, who, who control whether, I, I just think it's ridiculous, it's, and it's very, it puts a lot of things into perspective, and it's, I don't know. I just it, it, that that's very wrong, though. I think in, like in some places, how they're incentivizing being a snitch. Yeah. Uh, there's no integrity in that whatsoever. And or just on the radio, they say, "Well, I'm a you know I, I save lives every day. I'm a hero. I play video games and I stay inside." Well, hey, uh, if, if you don't drive drunk, are you saving lives every day too? No. <laughs> I, I agree with you. You're 100 percent right. Let me ask you a question, Aaron. You're a yeah. championship wrestler. Uh, is this going to change? Is this going to change the way that you uh, that you live your life? Are you going to stop wrestling over no, the no, COVID nineteen? No, I'm, uh, I'm still I'm working. I'm finding better ways to work out. I I see this as a time uh, to 
I see this as an opportunity uh, bestowed upon us by Hashem. That's just that's my take, obviously, yeah. on it. But um, you know, when you I see things as happening for us, and I think this is a chance for me to work on more coordination related things. Now let's now. But are you, are you afraid to? Go, will you be afraid to go back on the Mac with someone? Absolutely not. I want to go back on the Mac with every with everybody. <laughs> I'm, uh, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. That's true. I, I think that's that really, and that's something that I don't think people are totally like. Look, there there are you know you do take measures to mitigate as much as you can. There's no. But it's hard to mitigate when you're rolling around on a Mac with someone. No, I, yeah, exactly. I understand that, but it's. Uh, I just, it's just, I just find that, like I said, at the end of the day, I just feel like it's hard to. There, there's a lot of blurred lines between the politics and you know the objective science, whatever that may may be. I really don't know. I, I just think that it's it, a lot of this is really because it's very political. Uh, what's going on, and it's, it's it's a very big social factor, and I don't think people understand also from an economic perspective as that how much of a unless China is held liable for this in some type of way, they're 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 going you know they're they're going to come out of this on top higher than anyone. Well, 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 one of the uh, one of the conspiracy theories, and you know I don't subscribe to conspiracy theories too much. Yeah, uh, but yeah. one of, even though I wrote a I wrote a column called conspiracy theory for years, but I, I don't I don't subscribe to conspiracies very much. Um, but one of the uh, one of the conspiracy theories out there is that uh, China unleashed this virus so that it could become the superpower of the world to knock America off, and I I don't think it's that far fetched. It's not far fetched. Like at the end, of, I don't like. Here's the thing: is I don't. I think that you know, like look, if you think that China didn't you know act on this you know, with due diligence and as proactively as they could have and as they, you know, should have. If you don't think that there was other incentives behind that when you're talking about a communist regime yeah. that tries to, that is trying to exercise control over the entire world in some way or another, and not to argue the morality and that, I think every country, you know, that, that's, that's, that's their way of doing things, fine. But if you think that, you know, there's people that, are, like, you People, most, the majority, the government is not looking at the situation in terms of, in terms of, you know, deaths or, or, or like, especially the Chinese government. They're not, they're not really, they're paying attention to, to, to after. They're not really paying attention to, especially a country like China. You're 100% right. Aaron, thank you so much for calling. Appreciate it. Take care. Ciao. You too. All right, one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Unfortunately, Sheldon couldn't hear that call. Sheldon, I heard a I heard oh. a little bit of what he said. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I heard a little bit of what he said. Um, but the thing is that I mean, I agree. You know, like I could see that Aaron wants to continue his life, wants to get back on the mats. Yeah. And wants to be able to, and, and you know what? I, I give all the kudos in the world for him because he does not want to change his life. And maybe that type of strength and determination is something that I could rethink about and be able to do things. But also, I also have to temper with the fact that I have an immune, uh, I have a compromised immune system. So and I and you have careful. to understand that you're three times his age, too. Three times his, okay. You are. Ah. <sighs> You're, you're almost exactly three times as age. You're actually exactly three times as age. I don't suppose you're trying to make me feel good, eh? No, I'm just, I'm just stating a fact. Yes, I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. Because yeah. uh, I know how old you are. I know how old Aaron is. And you're exactly three times as age. Okay. That, thanks. Thanks very much. I appreciate yeah. that. But um, anyway, just to, <laughs> to put matters in perspective, unbelievable. <laughs> 
to put matters in in perspective, yeah. I I really have to give kudos to Aaron that he wants to get, he wants to restart his life, he wants to you know continue, and uh, you know what, uh, I give all the credit in the world uh, to Aaron and people who do want to continue and um, you know get a jump start on their life, and I think that's we. You know, but we still are going to have a lot to learn in this society. There's going to be a big learning curve here, and we're going to have to, we're going to have to really rethink a lot of what we have failed to do in the past, and now we're going to have to safeguard us as well as our so, so future what about, generations in the future. So, Sean, what about athletes? I mean, they they all work within close uh, proximity. Look, wrestling hasn't stopped. Uh, WWE wrestling, the fake wrestling, hasn't stopped, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still, you know, still fighters are fighting each other and they're still throwing each other around. They're still lying on top of each other and whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the the spread rate in the WWE is very low. Uh, we haven't heard very many uh, wrestlers dying of COVID-19 or being extremely ill from COVID-19. So, uh, so I'm wondering, um, I- I'm wondering if, if only a certain segment of the population gets this thing and uh, 90% of the deaths in Quebec were, for, were are in old age homes, uh, is it a really a danger in in reopening society and allowing people to mingle? I mean, well, the only the only reason one second. Let, let me just qualify this with, with the only reason that we are uh, that we are staying at home is to not overload the the hospital system with too many sick people. The doctors and the scientists all all agree that everybody in the province is going to get this eventually. It's just a matter of time. Uh, is there really a point in all of us staying home if ninety percent of the cases are in old age homes? And uh, the only deaths that are happening pretty much are in old age homes, and it's only point zero zero one percent of the population that are. Being well, I guess we're, we're as society starts getting back to normal. I guess we're going to find this out. I mean, th- these are answers. These are questions that we're going to find this out when we do eventually get back and we do resume some normalcy here and see exactly what the implications are going to be. Are is are things going to peter off and? Are people going to build up an immunity and are there going to be other segments of the population that could be more vulnerable just as much as the seniors? We don't know because, like you said, most of the people are staying home also to keep the hospitals from being overloaded. Well, that's the only reason we're staying home, by the way. Yeah. So the thing is, if that's the case and when people start going back to work, that then will be that question. Will the hospitals get overloaded? Will there be a spike in cases? Will there be... Who knows? I mean, we won't know until things slowly start getting back to normal. But to err on the side of caution, as I was saying, the best thing for restarting the economy is starting at places where the implications are not as um, are, you know, it's not as risky so as the major centers. Let's look and at then we'll see where we go. Let's look at a study that came out of uh, Los Angeles, uh, not Los Angeles, I'm sorry, San Francisco, California. Mm-hmm. Where they did antibody tests on, uh, on on many people in San Francisco, and the extrapolated results of that antibody test was that uh, even before this quarantine started, over three hundred thousand people in San Francisco were exposed to the uh, coronavirus, to to COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. before before the quarantine, right? Uh, okay. Their 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 hospital rate is no greater hospital rate than any other any other state. Their their death count is no greater than any other state. But they've had 300,000 people who have been exposed to the virus. At least their extrapolated data says that 300,000 people were exposed to the virus. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, and, uh, and you know, that's just a very limited case, and, um, and it's, it, it hasn't really been uh, 
it hasn't really been peer-reviewed or anything else. That's just a study that came out. But if that is the case, and that represents uh, 0.0001% of their population, uh, how dangerous is this virus really? We don't know. But there's other major centers like New York City that has a lot worse cases in, than San Francisco does. Well, you know, we, like we, in terms of hospitalizations and in terms of, I don't know. You know I, I mean, this is the first I've heard of it. And again, this is new to many people, this, this virus. And there's so much data that's coming out. And things are changing hour by hour, minute by minute, never mind day by day, Howie. You know, we, we, we talk about we talk about uh, this. I, I've just been corrected. 70% of, uh, of deaths in Quebec are from senior citizens' homes, not 90. So it's 70%. Okay. Uh, we talk about this and we, we talk, you know, and, and the media talks about this and they give you death counts every day mm-hmm. and it just, it just magnifies the thing. But when you think of a population of, of a few million people, three, four million people, and, and how many deaths have you had? A thousand deaths. What's the percentage really? Uh, you're not talking a huge percentage. And, and so by magnifying it in the media, it, it builds the paranoia of the population when, when it's, Really, more people are killed by influenza every year uh, than have been killed by COVID-19. Well, you know how much uh, media amplifies things, Howie. Yeah, of course. nothing new. I mean, that's... When the media sees an opportunity to make make a profit, to turn a profit on something, they amplify it to the max. Exactly. So so that's what they've done with this. That's what they've done with this. And it's it's freaked out politicians. It's freaked out everybody. It freaks out everybody, yeah. And, and that's really what's happened with this, this COVID-19. Because if you take a look at it in perspective compared to other diseases, I mean, it's really a small disease. Uh, but the difference between COVID and all the other diseases, as I'm, as you know, 100 people have just pointed out to me, <laughs> the difference between COVID and the other diseases is that you could be a carrier and not know that you're a carrier. Exactly. And so, then the, so that, the that is the difference between this one and the other ones. And the widespread implications of how many people can get it from you as a being a carrier, because in many cases, the people that are carriers don't have the virus. Right. And they, and they think that they feel perfectly normal. They it's, don't have a temperature. They don't have any kind of symptoms from the COVID-19, but they're carriers of it. And they, that's what that's what the real scare is. The question is, who carries it? Who's it? Who's susceptible about it? Look, there was a I think there was a child in, in the United Kingdom. Uh, what is it? A six, seven-month-old baby. That baby has had the virus. The baby had to undergo quarantine. Was had a mask. Yeah, I remember. You that. know, so yeah. who knows who can get what? And again, it's also compromised immune system. It's not just the elderly people. It's you could get if you have a compromised immune system. Doesn't make a difference how old you are. A compromised immune system is a compromised immune system. Definitely. So if you, you could be 18 or you could be 80 years old, you've got a compromised immune system. Obviously, the older you are, the more likelihood that you could, you could have even more adverse effects and perhaps even not even survive it. But you could still be in very bad shape and be hospitalized for weeks. For sure. Mark, Mark just said, uh, we are protecting our fathers, mothers, grandparents, and those with compromised immune systems and our healthcare workers and essential service people. That's who we're protecting by staying home. But are we really protecting anybody by staying home? That's the question. Well, if people are carriers of the virus and they don't know that they're carriers of the virus, but they're but staying home, yes, they are protecting people. We're assuming everybody is a carrier of the virus. Well, but what if yeah, it's only if, what if it's only a quarter of a percent of the population or, or an eighth of a percent of the population? But here's another thing too. Um, yeah, is it is it fair? Eighth. Is it fair to punish everybody 
And well, why don't we just quarantine the people who have immune system problems? Let them stay at home so they're not but, exposed to this and let everybody else get back to work. But there has to be a lot more testing. And that's what the governments have to come up with. They have to be but they're a not lot doing more testing. That. Like, in other words, they're just they're just tightening the restrictions on people. They're not they're not doing more testing. And that's the problem. No, they want it. They, they want to completely, you know, um, like even the odds or like uh, like lower the odds of a person being infected. But again, I, I saw I saw an interview with a guy yesterday uh, on on uh, on CNN. And the guy said, listen, he said uh, he was in close proximity with somebody who had COVID-19, a confirmed case of COVID-19. He was within five feet of the person. The person was screaming at him. And, um, and, and he went and he went to his doctor and he said, hey, I have to get tested. I was in close proximity to somebody who had this disease. And the person was screaming at me and I felt his spit hitting my face. And he couldn't get a test. He couldn't get a test. Well. This is the thing. It's uh, just like I was saying about they asked groceries. Him, they asked him, do you have any symptoms? He said, no, he couldn't get a test. Well, that's the thing, too, because even if, let's say they test you, if you're a carrier and you don't and you don't have the virus, you're 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 not uh, compromised with the virus itself, but your carrier will not show up on the test. That's the problem. That's right. exactly what they said. The problem is, let's say you get tested. Let's say, for example, somebody comes or, or, or let's say they. For argument's sake, let's say somebody just comes up to you, they give you a test on the street. Yeah. You're walking or you're just coming out of your car. They give you a test. You're perfectly normal. You have no symptoms of the COVID-19. Knock on wood. Everything's fine. But what the test does not reveal is if, in fact, you are a carrier of the virus. That's the problem. If it was, if it would be able to tell, the test would be able to, uh, to also illustrate if you are a carrier besides you having the virus then you know then you could be able to differentiate who can stay home and then who can go to work but again let's so, so are we saying work. that if they don't devise a test that's going to be able to to determine who is a carrier and who's not a carrier that's we're never going to go back to work is that what you're saying no i no that's not what i'm saying but at the same time again let's say you're fine and you go back to work you're not even a carrier you don't have the virus you go to work Let's say you take public transportation. You come across a person that's a carrier. Then you get the virus going into work. Then what happens? You have the virus. And you got the virus. And then that means, and then eventually you're not going to be able to go to work because let's say if you are going to have the immunity. So that means if you're a normal person without an immune compromised system or without an underlying medical condition, chances are it'll be three, four days of hell and then you'll be back on your feet. But here's another thing, too. This was another thing that was said earlier on. I don't know if there's been a lot of um, updates to this, but let's say if a person already had the virus, yeah, they're over the virus, they're mm -hmm. back to normal, everything is fine. Is their immune system compromised to the point, like, let's say, if they get it again from another person? Well, they, uh, they, there, there has been no there's been no documented cases yet anywhere in the world of somebody having the virus twice. Okay, because that's another thing, too, that it we don't know if anybody has gotten it if it's been proven you know maybe it will be down the road that it that that person can get it again that's very possible especially if you're in a very populous center and you're taking public transportation or you're walking with crowds of people or you're working in a big office building with a lot of people and you're you know working for the employer who knows i mean there's a lot of unanswered questions that you and i just don't know 
and there's a lot of there's a lot of things that a lot of it this is still fairly new don't forget this is just over a month yeah. to speak of six weeks yeah, six weeks so there's a lot of things that have not been you know it, it's still fairly new it's like very new. so there's a lot of unanswered questions and these are questions we're all going to ask as a society you know when are things going to get back to normal when are you and i and and most other people going to feel comfortable in getting back to a completely normal life like we had before what's Look now, uh, Canada, I'm I, I'm pretty sure we're not going to get back to really normal life like we had before for a very long time, Sheldon. Yeah, and the thing is, what's going to happen for traveling when people, let's say, we're going to start traveling? Then the borders open up. What's going to happen if people are are going to go back, you know, to to places where they went before? I mean, I literally got back a week before all H E double L hockey sticks broke loose. I just made it back, and it really, you know, it really. You know, there was no problem when I was there, as I told you, as I told my mother and other people. Yeah. There was no problem at any of the airports. Hardly anybody was wearing a mask. There was hardly any talk about it. Even on CNN and the hotel lobby, there was hardly any talk about it. Because it hasn't really reached full force in North America yet. And then all of a sudden, a week later, the schools get canceled. A lot of businesses get shut down. The streets are deserted. Like, I mean, look what happened in such a very, very short time. And there's still questions going out in leaps and bounds. And there's research and there's questions and people questioning other people's research. We're so afraid of our shadows now. It's ridiculous. So how do we get over this as a society? What do you think? It's one word. It's time. Time will heal to the point that we will have to learn, like you said, it's going to take a very long time for things to get back to the way it was. And there's going to be things that will never, that will, you know, that, that have changed, that we had to change before that's going to stay like this. Like you said, the, the plastic barriers, they, like the barriers between a person and a cashier, a person in taxis, a person, different ways, different ways of, of thinking. And Do you think anybody's uh, ever going to shake hands again? People will shake hands, but again, they'll, you know, the, the people that, let's say, they know, like people in their family, that they know they have good hygiene. A total stranger, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they won't. They'll just, they'll do like they do in other countries. They'll bow or they'll just, uh, you know, they'll just hit the elbow type of thing, you know, or not the, not the, the, uh, the knuckles, the old Howie Mandel trick. What about the uh, two-cheek kiss? Well, if you know the person, yes. I suppose, but if you like straight, like, you know, acquaintances, no, I guess it's all about knowing who the other person is and knowing what the person's hygiene and what the person's, you know, characteristics are, it, that'll get back to normal. But for other people that are not as well known to you, probably not. No. All right. So Mark says uh, there has been tests that a small number have it twice, but they're not sure if the second one means they're still contagious. Um, so, mm-hmm. so maybe maybe there were a couple of cases where people got it twice. Okay. Well, I, I haven't heard of any people who got it twice. I haven't heard of any cases of people who got it twice. I've read a lot and I've watched a lot on this, but uh, I could have missed something. It's possible. Yeah, and, and and I don't know, like if they have the data when people do get uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen, is there anything that's in the data saying a person got tested for COVID nineteen a second time? Right. I have no idea. 
So we, we probably don't know that other than the fact that the person would, it, it will show up as a person got tested, another person got tested, but may not necessarily show as the same person being tested. It would be in the files of the government, of course, and, you know, in the, in the ramp queue or in OHIP or wherever, right. you, you know, it, it'll be in that. But in terms of the public data that's released to the public, no, I, it, that's no. Nothing I've seen so far anywhere on any media has, uh, has told me that, um, that that there are a lot of people who've gotten twice, um, but I, I could be wrong. But again, if a lot of people are staying home and a lot of people are practicing social distancing, chances yeah. are it's it's reducing the risk. You know, as they say, there's nothing like the unknown. So what what people try to do is they try to negate as much as they possibly can the effects of exposure. Right. So if they try to do it like that, and knowing that the only thing is to stay away from people. That's going to minimize chances of being in. I mean, let's face it. If you walk on a crowded street, you're going to have a much bigger chance of you being infected. Only if someone coughs or sneezes on you. Yeah. But again, you don't know if you if you could be in hundreds of thousands of people, there is a chance that you're you're going to have a greater chance of somebody coughing and sneezing. than you would obviously if you're walking and there's a one person that's near you or something like that. Or obviously, if you're in the friendly confines of your home. It's true. So that's what. So governments, I think, are are trying to say, look, but we, we don't can't, understand this full, but fully. But Sheldon, we can't live in paranoia for the rest of our lives. I know that, but don't forget, this is new. So the thing okay, is, it's when new, you get, but when six you get weeks a new already. Situation, but six when you weeks get a new already. Situation, people are paranoid because, they, as they say, there's nothing as scary as the unknown. But it's six Once weeks we already. Getting, Sheldon, six weeks. Six weeks. I know, Howie. I, I would love things to get back to normal, just like you. But again, people are very nervous, especially seniors are extremely nervous now. And, and the data has shown that a lot of seniors have gotten sick and have died in the homes, situations that the workers got exposed. It, you know, in, in, in Quebec and Ontario, and God knows where else in the world. I mean, people are frightened. People are scared to death. You know, people are scared to death. And that's what's, that's what's going to take, you know, the adjustment, a period of adjustment. And I do believe that things will slowly start to get back to normal, but it's the word is going to be slowly. Do I want people? To, do I want things to get back to normal? Of course, I I don't want I don't want to stay in prison in my home or or not being, you know, being able to get together with family, friends, and and, and loved ones and everything. I want to see my kids. I want so, to see. So see how my long? I want to see my mom. How, how long, long do we know. keep the world under house arrest? I don't know. You tell me. How long do you think we should keep the world? What do you think should be done in terms of how do we get this thing uh, started? How do we get the confidence in people that we can start to get our lives, you know, started? But how do we we have to protect ourselves, too. But at the same time, we have to live our lives. We have to be able to go out to make a living. You have to be able to go and teach. Kids have to be able to eventually go to school. We have to be able to go to work. Yeah. I mean, this is what it is. We live in an economy. It's an economy. It's a capital and, you know, it's an economic driven engine. We have to go to work to make a living. I mean, there's no there's no two ways about it. Otherwise, how are we going to live? And it scares each and everybody, including myself, including you. You you know, the government's giving out these subsidies now, but eventually they're going to run out of money. Well, when they when they run out of money, then they're not giving us subsidies anymore. Well, the thing is, too, here's another thing. The government, 
no government is even counting the money right now. They're trying to give whatever they can because they're trying to do things as fast as possible to jump to start the economy. Now, I remember when but we the government is going to run out of money and eventually we're yeah. going to have to pay this money back. So well, that yeah, means exactly. an increase in taxes. That means uh, that means new taxes and increase in taxes. I know. Look, none of us so, wanted this. Look, none of us wanted this to happen. I didn't want this to happen. You didn't want this to happen. No. The person next door didn't want this to happen. I mean, don't get but me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind the vacation. OK, this long vacation is very nice. But really, I'd prefer to be working. It's nice to have a vacation when you appreciate, you know, like, you know, when you go back to work, it's like when I came back from vacation, I came, I came back to, uh, you know, my training and everything like that. And it was a great week to be, to be off, great week to re-energize the batteries. And then all of a sudden this happens. Yeah. So it's like you and I were discussing, like, what do people do in their spare times now where we couldn't do before because we were actually working? And then we figure out things. Well, there was a lot of things we would put on hold because we couldn't do when we were working. But now we have the time to do it. So we, we're so immersed with things that were, we put on the, on the, um, on the bookshelf, on, on the shelf. And now all of a sudden, we're, we had this thing that we were procrastinating for years because we just didn't have the time to do it when we were working and doing our normal activities. You now know, I have, doing it. I, have a, I have a project a day, right? One project yeah. a day. And I plan out my projects every day and uh, I try to do one thing a day. Yeah. So, so you know, my house has never been cleaner. My closets have never been emptier. And, yep. you know, this, this, is what, this is what I'm doing, right? The most important thing for anybody is to keep always your brain active at all times. Like, always never be in a, um, you know, never be in a rut. Always find something to do. And now that the weather is getting nice, too, and it's, it's good for the health and welfare for each and every one of us, is, and no government is going to say no to this, Go out and take a walk. Go out on the balcony and get some fresh air. You have to, you know, not that I want to sound like a poet or anything, but, you know, listen listen to the birds. Take in the sun. Take in the breeze. Yeah. Take it, you know, pump your, pump your lungs with outside fresh air. The air has never been so clean in the city. It's true. I, I mean, let's face it. So take advantage. Try to take advantage of it. Try not to be in a rut. Like, you know, try not to... Because that's the worst thing anybody can to do right now that are in that situation, to be in a rut and not do things and to be and to wallow into self pity. It's it'll be the downfall, and that's what people just cannot afford to do. And that's why a lot of people they're doing it more than they ever did before. If you probably take polls and statistics of how many people now call people in their family and call their friends and loved ones and uh, people that maybe used to work with or people that were either in your industry or. You know, friends that usually wouldn't you wouldn't have the time to speak to before. Now you have the time to speak. Reach out. It'll mean the world to so many people. And the art of com uh, conversation is very stimulating. And you know what? It's it'll make everybody feel better in the long run. And you know what? Things will eventually get back to normal. I'm a person that always likes to believe that the glass is, is half full, not half empty. And I know things will eventually get back to normal. When and where is anybody's guess? But I'd like to think that things will get back to normal. It might be a new normal, nevertheless. It will be definitely be a new normal. Yeah, it will be a new normal. That's for sure. But at least people could be able to go to the offices, go to the schools, be able to, you know, go out to parks, play, you know, play an activity, play baseball, throw on the baseball with your kids. 
if you have kids, you know, things get, you know, back right. to normal. And I'll, I'll be perfectly, it, I'll be perfectly honest with you, Sheldon. I do not miss a lot of the things that uh, that the world had to offer before this shutdown. Uh, you know, the world had descended into a moral gutter, and well, and and I don't miss that at all. I don't either. And you know, suddenly, suddenly, uh, people aren't. F- People aren't fighting as much as they were. People aren't arguing as much as they were. People aren't protesting as much as they were. And I don't miss any of that. I don't miss any of that either. But you know what? I think now people are realizing we have one common enemy. Or I like to think that people are realizing we have one common enemy. And that's this stupid virus. But you know what? It it does not make a difference what race, creed, color, or religion you are. It's affecting people's lives. And And whether or not... You are a Republican, a Democrat, a liberal, conservative, whatever. It's affecting everybody. It's affecting societies, people, the world, or, uh, the world over, our cities, our towns, everywhere. It's True. affecting people. And people have to now realize that this is going to make people think to the point that, you know, hey, listen, we have other things to fight, and it's not within each other. It's viruses. It's these deadly diseases that are killing innocent men, women, and children, no matter what religion they are. You're, you're 100% it's right. killing people. I mean, this, I mean, this is what people, and like you said, I don't miss what happened here because the, the world is, a, is, was, is a very evil thing because so much, there's been so many people that have killed innocent people for whatever their agenda is. And you know what? Maybe now it's making people think this, this to realize how life is valuable and how sacred life really is. And the innocent people, the seniors that are dying. And I'm willing to bet, and I'm willing to bet, Sheldon, that when we go back to normal life and when things start going back to normal, things will just switch back on the way they turned off. They'll switch back on. Some yes, and I think some no. I, I, I'm not going to say everybody is going to be, you know, thinking the same way when things get back to normal, but I think some people will. And if some people will, then you know what? Change is a good thing in, in terms of that that regard. I like agree. If, I agree with you. If, if people think that, like, if some people change, if 10,000, 100,000 people, a million, 1 billion people out of 7 billion people in the world, it's it's change in numbers for the good, for the world, for for everything, for the integrity, but Sheldon, for the society, for the peace, the Sh- peace of Sheldon, mind. as you know, change starts with one person. Yes, and it starts going from one, and it strengthens numbers, and it, one goes after the other to the other. So, if you think this virus is contagious, change is more. Well, the thing is, and if positive change comes out of this, and I'm sure more than one person is going to feel this way, then. In certain aspects, we turn the corner for the better. Is it a complete turnaround? No. Will it be a complete turnaround? I wish, but no. Uh, not in our lifetime anyway. Maybe not in my kid's lifetime. But hopefully down the road, people people will take a look twice and say, you know what? Let's think about what we're doing to each other when there are no viruses. Never mind what viruses are doing to one another. No one could only pray and hope. That's what we hope. I mean, that's... You know, I, I like along with anybody else in this world, like you, want things to get back to the better, like, you, you know, to get as close to normal as possible and for positive change for the, for the better. Sheldon Eric Freed, that's it. We're done. Thank you, sir. I want to thank you so much for, uh, for being here on the show with me, Sheldon. 
I want to thank, a pleasure. I want to thank everybody listening to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will be. Uh, we'll. I'll be back on. Uh, I'll be back on uh, in the next couple of days. I will be back on. Uh, until then, until then, I, I wish you health and happiness and safety. And I will see you uh, next time right here on the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Have a great, 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 well, day, two days, whatever it is, till we, uh, till we meet again. <laughs>